Hey, this is Pastor Tim. I'm Scotty. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to another episode of the MVP. We are so glad that you could join us as we jump into another topic from Sunday's message. Uh, This week, we are concentrated on hate speech. Grandpa Tim, why don't you go ahead and kick us off as you have just had the birth of your first grandbaby. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are excited. Uh, Finally get to be a grandparent before the age of 60. So that was the goal. And so I made it by a year. So we're, we're, we're excited about that. And uh, also excited that uh, his name is Elijah Gray. Uh, the word gray comes from my middle name as well. So uh, we'll have something in common. So will it be G square or. Besides all the genetics, we'll have yeah. something in common. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but we do want to talk about uh, Sunday's message when um, we looked at how even even Paul and John was silenced because of their message of the truth. And basically, they were reprimanded um, because of that. And we know that we're living in a time that when you tell the truth, you will be reprimanded somehow. You'll either be silenced, you could be bullied, you could be canceled. Uh, we're, we're seeing that all over. Now, for me personally, um, I don't have too many social media accounts, um, but I've not been canceled yet for something I've said. I don't know about you guys. I have not, mainly because I don't post on any of my social media accounts. Uh, I barely have access to mine, so I may have been canceled. I don't know. Okay. So we're, we're pretty all in agreement that you know we've not been canceled by stating something that's true. But um, as I gave my example, um, I'm sure in our personal lives, we have relationships that have been somewhat damaged to some degree because we've told the truth. Uh, Those people don't respond well to truth and so forth. And so that's where we are today. And the sad thing about it is, is we are telling the truth based on a worldview of biblical essence of what we believe is true, what we believe sin is, and yet it seems like the Christians um, have been labeled as a hate group, which is sad because we're telling the truth. And it's always interesting to me when you have other religions and other faith backgrounds that have the same views that we do and in sometimes uh, much more conservative and restrictive fashions, thinking specifically about Muslims. Uh, their view on women, their view on homosexuality and that kind of stuff. And yet it is the Christians are the majority of the target for this vitriol uh, versus uh, other faith groups. And I, I think it just goes to uh, to prove the point that whether we whether it's a concerted effort or not, the enemy is working to try to defeat and suppress uh, the gospel. I think part of that could be that we we. Uh, blanket term Christians were the majority for a while, like in in uh, positions of authority, and because we were so vocal uh, with our beliefs and and uh, denouncing others' beliefs, that it's given us uh, a, probably a bigger target than than some other face that may not be as vocal or may not have had. Uh, the sort of visible authority that that we have had for decades, and the, and 
that could be, you know, one of the reasons why. Um, but as you said, it is in a roundabout way. If if the Muslim country does this, there's not that much pushback. But if a Christian does it, especially here in America, it's like, oh my goodness, you guys are wrong. You need to get your heart right. You know, is this the God you serve or or whatever? But even when it comes to silence, um, as a Christian, in other words. You know, we've we've had several protests across the country over the last several years. And in those, there are a lot of things that have been said that are not true. And there's been property damage and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But you can get a Christian who stands along the side of the street with just a sign and doesn't say a word. And whatever that sign says, such as abortion is wrong or your sin will find you out, you have ungodly people who will take their signs and rip them up and cuss at them and call them names and you know all of that kind of stuff and 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 even if you're silent with a sign in your hand you're condemned and i think that's where we're at where the other group can vocal what they want to say and yet if we say something back we're the ones labeled as hate and and it should it should not surprise us though that's the whole key it should not surprise us uh, even going back even toward uh the last part of uh the old testament uh in the book of amos um verse 10 it says they hate him that rebuketh in the gate and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly so you know we're, we're, we're talking about those who speak right those who do right uh those who uh rebuke in the sense of telling somebody the truth they are looked upon this way and what happened to the new testament we have the same view jesus said they'll hate you as they hate me because i tell the truth so we shouldn't be surprised but it does do damage to our ego it does damage to our mission it does damage to our overall view of the kingdom of God, of of wanting to get out there and give lost people the message of God. Well, it, it creates fear. Uh, it creates uh, the 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 anxiety of, of of what's going to happen if I if I tell the truth, if I speak up in this situation. And again, that's another thing that the enemy uses to to silence us is if he can get us afraid, if he can get us fearful of the consequences and keep us silent, then he can keep us silent. It, it, there's there's no need for him to do anything else. The, the problem that I keep wrestling with is we've talked for many weeks uh, prior to this about speaking truth in love and within the context of relationship. Um, and so balancing the idea of keeping silent being a tool of the enemy versus biding your time and waiting for the appropriate time to, to speak in, inside the context of relationship, walking that line, uh, I think is, is an incredibly tedious and, uh, 
important thing to do. And, uh, I, it, it, and the only, only way, like I've, I've been trying to process, okay, how do I know when to speak? How do I know when to, to not speak? What, what, what's the context of what, and, and what are the guidelines? What are the rules? And it, it keeps coming back again and again and again to, it's just reliance on the Holy Spirit, uh, to, to when we when we feel prompted to speak to speak when we feel prompted to remain silent to remain silent when you look at our culture today um i think even in the church um we can, we can have exactly what um peter and john went through in the sense that even if a church is preaching the truth, you'll have other churches say, well, you really don't want to go there, you know, because, you know, they're, they're trying to appeal to the culture, whereas most churches are trying to appeal to people. Um, and, and we talked about this. I, I asked a question in, in class yesterday, and um, what we see in a lot of areas, and this is what I'll be preaching on in, in the coming week um, not this Sunday, but the su- Sunday following, is that a lot of our gospel, a lot of our relationship with the Lord is more experience rather than scripture. It's how I feel. It's it's what I, I think. And I think that's one of the battles that we have that we live in today is that when we say the truth, it always goes back to, well, that's your truth, not my truth. Well, my truth is what the scripture says. That's what I'm trying to live. That's what I'm trying to share is the scripture. And I get if somebody's trying to share their thoughts and feelings that's not scriptural with somebody whose thoughts and feelings are not scriptural. And I could see those two bumping heads and and trying to figure that out. Um, but for those who speak in truth and those who don't, they don't want to hear because they call it your truth. It's not my truth. It's what it's what the Bible says. And and I think that's kind of where we are today. When even in the religious experience is where we're looking at people who want to have a relationship with God, but it's all based on their experience rather than the scriptures. Well, and we see this. I think this is a, a big part of the reason that you see such a, a rise in the Pentecostal movement uh, across uh, the world today is it's the Pentecostal movement's much more experiential based. And then you also have, so there's there's this always this dichotomy, this push and pull between the charismatic movement and the reformed movement. Charismatic movements reply, uh, relies a lot on how you feel your uh, experiential worship, reformed uh, theology, many times uh, relies simply on the mind, the the theology of it, and you're missing the spirit and truth that that Jesus proclaimed that we should worship in, in the middle. Um, reformed try to to preach what they claim is truth. Um, Pentecostals. Uh, worship more in the spirit side and we need to to have a good balance here but what is so important and what i'm seeing over and over and over again in a lot of churches is people are not looking for proper theology they're looking for a good feeling 
good programs, good experience, whatever it happens to be. And just a little side plug, our uh, small group starts Sunday night, and we will be talking about, uh, in my small group, we will be talking about theology so that you can have a good foundation when you... Uh, when you are interacting with other churches to understand kind of what they believe and know what you believe, first of all, we encourage that you join us. Uh, we really hope that you will uh, st- starting this Sunday night, September 10th at five o'clock. Part of the reason that I believe people are looking for the more experiential worship or or those those churches that make them feel good is because they don't know what to look for theologically. They don't know what to like they don't know what to listen for if if they're going into it knowing th- this style of worship makes me feel good or i really feel like you know uplifted when i leave listening to to this pastor or this style of that is something that they can sort of grab onto but if they're a christian that is if they're somebody who is a new believer or somebody who is a a uh, spiritually young believer they don't know what to look for so whose fault is that is is that the fault of the individual which i mean some some fault always lies there but is that also the fault of uh the church universal in the fact that we haven't been diligent about teaching the deeper things of god uh yes a little bit of both i would think um because if 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 this imaginary person going to church uh, was actually diving into scripture and actually studying it instead of just reading it or ignoring it, then they would be able to to pick out like, oh, maybe that do- that doesn't really jihad with what I've read or whatever. And on the other side of that, if your um, church leadership is leading in a way that is is trying to help those that are in attendance grow versus make them come back next week like give them an experience that keeps them coming well and, and, and what you're saying is absolutely right in in that aspect of looking at it with experience and those kind of things yes but let's flip that let's flip this back to where it's the truth that is hated which is these people who have experience who are experiencing sin. I'm talking about right out sin from the Bible. And they are the ones who are claiming they're pastors. They're the ones who are claiming they are Christians. You see, they're putting their experience, which is their sin. So basically what they're doing is they're putting their sin above scriptures. And that is where I believe we see the hate also come back. And and, and, it, and it's true. Um, I was trying to imagine a minute ago when you said imaginary person, that means there's nobody there, but they're digging into a Bible. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, it's like there's nobody there even getting into the Bible. <laughs> it's imaginary. Do they have an imaginary Bible? I mean, but anyway, you're right. That part of it is the experience of a new believer coming in, understanding, and then once they get that, there is a time and a place, I don't care what anybody says, there are people who gravitate to certain music, certain preachers, and so forth. Sometimes those people are solid on their theology. Some of them are not. 
but it's an experience of gravitation of, oh, I feel good. And my only, my downside to that is, let me ask you something. You feel good on Sunday. You feel good on Sunday morning. You feel good when you leave the church building. But how long does that last on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you don't engage the Lord whatsoever? See, that that's the experience that that we need to understand that our experience is a relationship with the Lord, which is scripturally and not. Now, listen, I think we all understand we have feelings. Um, we have feelings in the sense that there are messages that make us cry. There'll be messages that will make us laugh. There'll be, there'll be messages that will burn inside of us and anger us because we've heard something that we know is true and we're not doing that. So we do know we have feelings and experiences with certain things, but it's going beyond that experience and saying, oh, this is who I am. I don't care what scripture says. I'm going to remain this way. And I think that is where the pushback comes with the truth and the hate. Right. Now, just thinking back to to these these people who are living in sin and claim to be pastors, um, and, and just kind of thinking about how that relates to everything else we, we've been talking about, it's so interesting to me how often when a true pastor teaches uh, teaches the truth, how many people in that congregation want something different, want something less. Say, you shouldn't be teaching that. That's too challenging. You shouldn't be teaching that. That's a little too much. You shouldn't be teaching that. That's too deep for a Sunday morning. That's too too much for us to continue on. That's too much for us or whatever. And Paul says that, 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 that this is going to happen, that, that there will be teachers who tickle the ears, who are their entire deal their entire theology is based around people pleasing and we have to be sure that we are preaching the gospel and even in spite of those and we can talk a lot about uh, our responsibility to speaking the truth in context of the rest of the culture but now as we're thinking through this and as we've been talking through this I'm becoming more and more convinced that the the place that we are called to speak the truth most vocally most vehemently is in the church to ensure that everybody is uh that everybody who comes into our our care who comes into our flock is well versed is mature in their christianity so if they ever leave for whatever reason they know what to look for in the next uh little s shepherd because they are following the big s shepherd uh daily and day by day and so that when they show up on a sunday morning that their Sunday morning isn't the only time they stop by the gas station, but it is an overflow of everything they've been experiencing throughout the week. I've been sitting here trying to to think about the times where I've I've left church or left a a, a, a worship service, um, feeling the most um fulfilled like like i've like i i have learned something or i have gotten a new perspective or i have grown in some way and most of those i feel most of those times that i can think of i left the church that day feeling like i'd been beat like i i just i feel like like i left like 
I'm having a stroke over here. I, I left the church that day feeling like um, that I had been called out, that I had been. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for calling you out. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's Look, as long as you don't call me a eunuch every week, we're fine. Uh, if we go in chasing good feelings, we're not. My fear is that we're we're not coming out with good theology on the backside. Uh, I, I made a joke at your expense on Sunday, Jonathan, talking about how the, you call me into your office and ask me questions about theology, and I it, they're difficult questions that make me think, and then I can never give you a right answer, uh, and then you you chastise me for not giving you a right answer, and that it makes me feel uh, really little, like I. Like, I should know more. Like, I should be better than that. And if if that is how I feel in in the the line of work that I'm in, how, how would I feel as, you know, Joe Schmo, an imaginary person, coming into church on Sunday morning, being asked those questions, those questions that are that are important, that help uh, that help me understand, god and and my faith more and i think that's why we push small groups i think that's why we push you know a small uh small groups on sunday and you know those other extra bible lessons that you're able to do that and i think um a, a lot of times even when i listen to a, a, another pastor or a preacher preach i always want to find something that maybe i didn't know or that I need to improve on because I want to gather something from that, that, you know, I just don't want to listen. I want to spiritually listen so that, you know, I can go away. And, and when I go away feeling convicted, because it's by the Holy Spirit, we're convicted. It does make us feel, man. But the best thing about it is, listen, you admit, man, I'm, I'm not even there. I'm not even close. So Holy Spirit, how do I get there? What, what, what is a step that I can take to begin to put that into my life, you know, on a daily basis? And, and I think that's why it's important for us to tell the truth is when we have those opportunities so the people can say, well, I, I don't agree with that, but the, the seed is planted. Or they might say, well, that might be true, but that's not me. But it could be them. And it gives them a way to think about what their life can look like by embracing the truth rather than holding on to a lie. And I, I think this is in talking about within the context of, of our particular church, um, that what I pray for is that our people would be Bereans. Uh, in Acts, Paul uh, Luke is, is writing, and he said that the, the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they went away and studied the scriptures for themselves to figure out what that, uh, to figure out if what the apostles said were true. And that's what we encourage everybody who listens to our podcast, who listens to our messages, who comes to our small groups, is to not take what we say on face value, but to go and study the scriptures for yourself to see if what we are teaching is true, to form a biblically-based, Holy Spirit-guided opinion of what we are teaching. And we hope that you continue to do that as we move into uh, another week of, of fantastic stuff going on around here. Thank you so much for joining us this week for the MVP. We hope to see you on Sunday. <laughs>